recorded live. It's running right through me. Yeah, my life. Hey, girl. You can trust in me. Wow. That's one of my favorites right there. You're all I want. Hey, girl. Yeah, everything I see. Oh, yeah. Beautiful song. Love it. We're going to let that play for a little bit while we get everybody on board. You're listening to Straight Talk Live. And I'm your host, Barbara. And for this hour, we're going to talk about music, the soundtrack to our lives. Yeah, my life, baby. Hey, girl. You can trust in me, girl. Baby. You're all I want. We're able to force people to hear what we say. 
But very rarely do we get a chance to get a real reply and not necessarily debate, but just hear a different school of thought. And I think that's what's really important for us today is to hear a different school of thought. And that's really what I'm trying to bring in 2018, something different. And uh, it's going to catch on. It's going to pick up. There's a lot of things that I'm doing out there in the world that are taking off like rockets. And so it's important for us to share the opportunity to share a space and talk a little bit about what's really going on in our community. You know, this week was a very interesting week because this week, as you know, was the national holiday for Martin Luther King uh, Jr., Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who um, headed up the civil rights um, struggle who showed us how to take an appointment, a divine appointment. He showed us not only how to take this appointment, but how to move forward with the appointment and sacrifice his life um, in fighting for our freedom and showing us how to stand up and how to face violence and terrorism in the United States, face it head on with nonviolence. But, you know, it's very interesting because not only was Dr. King a part of that movement, and with all due respect, you know, there was Malcolm X and his movement, by any means necessary. We don't celebrate him with a national holiday. And then, of course, we had Huey Newton and the Black Panthers coming straight out of Oakland. They had over 200,000 members in 60 different cities, and they were all, if not but a few, murdered. And we don't really talk about, you know, exactly how the civil rights movement, you know, what was really the secret besides God and his divine intervention in the treatment of blacks in the United States. We really don't talk about what really was the glue that put it together. Now, we got a caller. I'm going to go to the caller. I see we've got uh, the Galaxy Chief somewhere in the galaxy looking at us. So, hey, hey. Uh, hey, caller, you're on Straight Talk Live. Did you have a opinion or a comment about the soundtrack of our lives and the music? Ah, we have a listener. Well, that's okay. We love listeners. You keep on listening and We'll get back to you. But basically, we're talking tonight a little bit about music and what did music do for the civil rights movement. Now, right now, we have one of our national treasures, um, someone who I think we all have taken a moment and bowed our heads and said, you know what, that is the queen of soul. But, you know, Aretha... Franklin uh, played a major part in the civil rights movement that aided and funded Dr. King's movement. And his, her part was working with her father, C.L. Franklin, and going on countless, I guess you would say, tours through the South where she went from church to church, singing with the choir, 
taking up offerings, and wherever there was an issue, they came up and showed up. And with those concerts and those tent efforts, and I know my mom and her friends and her sisters in church, I mean, they went to tent efforts. You remember how that went? There was a big tent that would pop up, and they would be there seven, eight days in the community and bring all the people to hear the word. And uh, the word was good. And uh, then people would take up an offering, and then it would go right back into that community. And I think that is uh, uh, what I think we've missed lately. When we come together and when we have an opportunity to come under one roof, and that's either for music, a concert, or a sporting event, that's really the only time we get together in a mass. I'm going to see if I can take this caller. Hey, caller, you're on Straight Talk Live. Did you have a question or comment tonight? All right, still listening, and that's good. We love listening. But anyways, back to really thinking about the music and how the music really defined us. I can remember myself personally, and I'm just really going to talk about my own personal um, situation. Uh, as a young girl growing up in a, a very prejudiced part of California, the capital, Sacramento. And I grew up there and I tried my best, you know, to find my way. My parents, now this was back in the 60s now. So a few of you, I guess, could uh, maybe, uh, uh, could maybe uh, relate to that. Uh, but you know, it was one of those things where I was called the N-word every day. Now, my mother and my father, they both had great jobs, and they worked hard, uh, you know, just to make sure that we had food and the finer things of life. I mean, I'm talking about <clears throat> private school. I'm talking about a new car every two, three years. I'm talking about owning a home. You know, all the things that were a part of the American dream, that's what we... Oh, can't hear me. Okay, I hear you. Can't hear me. So let me see if I can get my get my uh, voice back together. Now, yes, I hope you can hear me. Well, anyway, okay. So hopefully um, you can hear now. But get that on. That's even a better hearing. Okay, can you hear me now? Somebody give me a. Okay, good. Okay, somebody said they can hear me better. All right. So the whole point that I'm trying to make about this journey of my own was coming up as a girl in the 60s um, and being called in word, like I said, in private school and Christian school, by the way. And uh, it, was, it was horrible. But I can remember we didn't even have a black radio station. I think our radio station... Uh, would play some of the black hits, but they had to be either the Supremes or the Temptations or Smokey Robinson. But now, you know, praise the Lord, I had a aunt in Oakland, California, and we would go visit her every month, and we would stay over the weekend. And I never will forget the day that she took me to the grocery store to plan dinner, and there we were 
you know, somewhere on Lakeshore. And as we were standing there on Lakeshore, I got out of the car. It might have been 1969 or 68. And there were these gentlemen, these gentlemen that had these leather coats on and hats, and they had newspapers, and they were selling and talking to the people, and, and, and there was music, and I think the music might have been Sly Stone, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, dancing and uh, talking and commiserating, and all these people were, like, vibing off of each other, but really vibing off the music, and the music was speaking the message, and the message was, stay in love. I remember that. I remember the day I heard that song and the day I saw those brothers. And you know what I said to myself? I bet you I won't be on N-word Monday morning when I go back to school because I'm going to tell these brothers here. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. <laughs> but, you know, again, you know, it was Aretha Franklin and it was the choirs that were giving us the message of how to stand. You know, even when we were having our nonviolent protests, we would walk and sing the hymns and the songs that our grandfathers and grandmothers sang. It was the music, not the words that we spoke, that set us free. Now, you know what? I've got a caller here. I believe it's the Galaxy Chief. Galaxy Chief, are you with us tonight? Hey, Barbara McGee, how you doing? Ah, you're here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now after I called in. And, oh, you, you, could, you, could, you couldn't hear me before. Right. I, I heard you for about 30 seconds. Then you went dark. Oh, and that's horrible. That's yeah. horrible. But, but you know what? I appreciate you coming on. We missed you last week. We got a new uh, forum. And tonight we're talking about the music, the soundtrack of our lives. And, uh, you know, should we demand better from our music? And you're a perfect person to weigh in on this because you come from the same time period as I came from. And I was just sharing my experience of coming up in a very prejudiced Sacramento, California, and going to private school. And now don't mind me now. I, I appreciate my experience because it gives me a real, a, 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 an ability to really have an opinion in these days and to be able to share it. But the truth is, is that Oakland, California gave me my freedom. And my freedom came through the music. Uh, in two minutes or less, can you tell us your experience? I think you're from Oakland, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I was born in Raised here, class of 72, Oakland Tech. And I went to college here as well, St. Mary's College in Moraga. Oh, now that's kind of lofty. That's lofty. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. So I've been here, played semi-pro baseball here and all of that. So this is my comeuppance is right here in the... Oakland Bay Area. So then you can attest to uh, my experience of coming from Sacramento where we were colored. 
that was the freedom and the word. We were colored in Sacramento to come to Oakland and be about eight or nine years old and uh, to walk into Lucky's there on uh, Lakeshore and to have, you know, 25 Black Panthers, you know, with uh, Elders Cleaver and Huey Newton and Bobby Seale and, and, oh, let's not forget the ladies. Let's talk about uh, uh, Kathleen uh, Cleaver, who was absolutely beautiful, and, and uh, of course, um, of, uh, Angela Davis. You know what was really interesting to me, Andre, is if you look back at the time, at some of the clips of them speaking, they spoke in a musical tone. Do you remember that, how they would be speaking and they would flow? Like, I try to do that sometimes. I try to emulate them, but it was really about that time when they would speak and how they would flow in that rhythmic type of, we are not going to take this anymore, and these young people were really standing out. Hey, we got a caller. Let's see if we can get this caller on. We got lots of listeners, too. Hey, caller, you're on Straight Talk. Did you have a comment or a question or an experience that you wanted to weigh in with the music that was a soundtrack to our lives? Just listening tonight, Barbara. Oh, hello. Well, that's a friend of the show, and we're so thankful you're listening. We're going to come back to you, though, because we're going to get into a few things about the church and, and um, the sanctity of the sanctuary and what we listen to in church. So I'm going to come back to you for a comment on that. So don't go away. All right. Okay. And we want, to, uh, we want to come right over here. Hey, uh, you're on Straight Talk Live. We're talking about the soundtrack to our lives, the music. Should we demand better? Did you have a comment or did you weigh in with a question? Ah, we have a listener, and that's cool. We appreciate it. All right, I want to go back to you, Andre. So what was one of your experiences that <clears throat> really set it apart when you recognized that really the music was driving the entire civil rights movement? Well, well you know, the Black Panthers, you know, it. If you don't really know, you might, you know, those looking from the outside, looking in, just think that there was just some Negroes of Oakland with some leather coats and carrying around shotguns. But that was not the truth. It's, uh, those brothers and sisters were very educated. They were highly intelligent. Uh, several of them were PhDs, and, and they knew the law. They knew their rights. And you know, even with the guns that they were carrying, I don't even think they were loaded probably. It, they were just displaying their civil rights to carry arms. But look at the things that the uh, Black Panthers did. They, they set up educational programs, uh, uh, after-school food programs, and they were helping the youth in the, in the communities. And that was a great, great thing. But it's just like any uh, any black organization. Once you start getting too strong, and and then you know your detractors are going to try to bring your organization down. Either they're going to come and shoot your place up, or they're going to start framing you. They're going to start sending in informants. They're going to start bringing drugs and all other kind of stuff around. Next thing you know, uh, Panthers going to jail in the penitentiaries and so forth. And then they dope their foods up and dope them up like they did with Huey. 
So his brain was fried when he came out of out of San Quentin. And even well, uh, now I, I I do have I I do have I I do do want to take just a moment there because I think it's important because I did have uh, a one chance meeting with Huey Newton. I I had one chance meeting. And uh, I don't talk about this very often, but I think it's apropos to talk about it now because, number one, you brought it up, and number two, we're still talking about the music and the soundtrack of our lives and everybody. You're listening to Straight Talk, and we're talking a little bit about, you know, should we demand better? Uh, In my meeting with Huey, uh, and by the way, uh, girls didn't really address Mr. Newton. I mean, he was not... Uh, a person that would just have an ongoing conversation with a young lady that was not part of the group, was not, you know, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And it was very interesting because where we were, he had me count the amount of people. He would say, young lady, you mind, can you stop? Can you count and tell me how many people are in this, in this house? And I would count. And the idea was to make sure that it never exceeded 14. Because if he had spoke about the Panthers, which that's what he did, he sat down and gave us an education firsthand on what happened and how many Panthers there were, how many offices. At the peak of the Panther movement, there were 200,000, and there were 60 offices. Most of them were in bank vaults or bank abandoned bank buildings. And in Oakland, there was an ordinance that if there were 15 or more, he would violate his parole. And that was why we had to keep the number at 14, and he spoke for over 12 hours. And there was absolutely nothing wrong with his mind. I've never heard anybody speak like Mr. Newton spoke that afternoon. And I will never forget that. But again, when we talk about the music, uh, what's your opinion, Andre? Uh, of, I mean, you were right there. What's your opinion of Sly Stone? Do you remember that song, Don't Call Me, mm, Whitey? Yeah. Don't Call yeah. Do you remember that? That, yeah. was, uh, that was something that set me free. I mean, that was something I heard, you know, listening to my older cousins, and that was yeah. quite a... a, 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 a indicative of <clears throat> how we just started to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And as mm-hmm. the crescendo of the pride of the music rose and got higher and higher, so did our resistance. And, you know, mm-hmm. once we look at people who assemble, like, you know, God bless the women's movement that we just had, uh, you know, when a 45 was elected and, all the women went to Washington, D.C. and to sit. I mean, they were able to all get there, but they didn't have a song to sing. They didn't have a musical experience that would heighten their awareness. Do you agree or disagree? Well, yeah. Let's see. And during those times in the 60s and the 70s, the, the music was geared around our experience. And that was actually a continuation of slavery and how we were sending music 
out on the slave plantations. It was coded messages. And in the 60s and the 70s, hey, I'm black and I'm proud. And and just like uh, the, the song you mentioned earlier about Sly, and and all of the songs, you know, you had Gil Scott Heron was was just great. You know, he was the original rapper, the original poet, the original spoken word. You know, Absolutely, the last poet. You remember the last poet? The remember last. them? Yeah, and and we played Gil Scott Heron on T two five CL radio. And, and so, and he was always been a, uh, a hero of mine uh, with with his music and his song because there was messages there. And so we we talk about this stuff periodically on on the other shows, and and how the even the other music going into the seventies and the eighties, and and how love was put into the music. And so now, in these days, when you come into 2017, 2018, now you're removing all of that stuff uh, that that we had in the music in the 60s and the 70s from from the freedom or getting your stuff together, or even the the love aspects of it. I mean, hell, more babies were were being made off of the music in the 70s. If we stop and think about the music, if we stop, not to interrupt, but if we stop and think about the music before we go into even the 70s, I mean, that 60s piece was really an awakening to who we are. We went in three years. Think about that. Yeah, we I mean, went think in about, three yeah. years from being colored to 1970 being black and I'm proud. I mean, could you just imagine what I'm speaking of about the power of music? Now, you know, we've got Lady Roz here. I see her, and she's a musician. And so who better to hear from? Because now I want to talk about something, Andre, that, you know, weighs heavy on my mind. And what weighs heavy on my mind is today's music. Mm-hmm. And when we assemble and how we assemble and when we come together, like let's say in church, and, you know, what are we really saying with our music? Lady Roz, uh, you're here. I hear you. Are you there? Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, my sister. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Did you get all those kisses? <laughs> like princess. A thousand kisses. Yes, for you. And, and, and we're talking we're talking a little bit about music. I know you're a musician and uh you sing in uh church. You are a warrior for your church. You are in Victory Outreach, which is, uh, I just commend you for being a praise warrior and a director of music over there. I don't know exactly your title, but I do know you're a recording artist. And I want you to talk, talk to me a little bit about, if you can, in two minutes or less, we've got a lot of people to get on, but I really want you to weigh in on how we went from being colored in the 60s and singing hymns, like Andre said, and singing some of the songs that we sang in the field, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, Coming for to Carry Me Home, and uh, It's in the Blood. How do we go from singing those songs to singing um, about Jesus, but singing on top of Patrice Russian's hit or on top of, let's say, uh, Frankie Beverly's hit, or even I've gone to church 
And I've heard him playing George Clinton underneath the song. And we're praising God. Tell us, how did we make that transition? What's your thoughts? Well, you know, um, first of all, music, God's created music. And when they took those songs and said, okay, if the world can listen to these songs in, these, in, in, in this type of setting, they would take the lyrics and just change them all around. The music itself, oh, I know that song. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are they singing? Okay. So it's capturing the attention of those who are listening to these songs. These were great songs by creative minds, but now they turned it into songs that, you know, hey, sometimes we need to think about, okay, what is the type of life that we're living? So it's, it's a, just a, a frame of mind, and, you know, a lot of them, so many of them that they uh, have turned around um, for the gospel industry. Look at Kirk Franklin. That brother, when he first started out, Man, they, they dogged him and dogged him like nobody's business. But the brother's off the chain. If you listen to his lyrics, his music is automatically, you know, just phenomenal. But, you know, it's the lyrics that's being um, expressed in these songs. It makes people want to listen. Oh, wait a minute, what are they talking about? You know, mm. you know you're, going through these hard, you're going through these hard things, you know. You got to smile. Even though, you, even though you're hurting, just smile because it's going to be uh, all right after a while. You know, these kind of things that grab people's attention, grab people's minds. But, um, but, and then again, we want to uh, offer the condolences to Edwin Hawkins' family because uh, the brother who wrote Oh Happy Day passed away. Yes, so, I, I, I was going to talk about that. You know, my, my sister-in-law, uh, Pastor Bob's wife, what a lot of people don't know, uh, they are 25-year members of the Hawkins uh, family. Uh, their daughters, their children were raised in that church and sang in the choir and sang on the hit. Oh, no. And, I, and I, I really had, I had an opportunity. Can you believe this? I actually was at the Paramount, Andre, with my brother and my entire family for the double album um, uh, recording of Marvelous and of uh, uh, tragedy. And, I mean, when you think about that, I, I'm getting goosebumps. Those two gentlemen could control the voices of a choir. I, I tell you, when we get to heaven, it's going to be that way. And oh, yeah. they had a distinct <laughs> and a unique way of expressing our deepest emotions. I mean, think about it. Tragedy and, 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 and uh I was, could have been homeless. I could have been dead in my grave. When we think about those things and think about how God has delivered us in spite of ourselves, this is mm-hmm. the soundtrack that Edwin and Walter Hawkins gave us. And there is no other choir that I think I've ever heard in person that could regulate you to your your needs, and yeah. give you a spiritual experience. You know, you could turn it on in your car right now. And if you turn it up loud enough, God will be with you in in the car. <laughs> and yes, we love you, Edwin Hawkins, and we are so – we got a couple of callers. Let me see if we can add some people to the dialogue. Hey, you're listening to Straight Talk Live. we got a new format. We're talking about music, the soundtrack to our lives. Uh, did you have a comment or did you have a uh, – a statement? 
Talk on. I like it. Ah, ah. So we got Pastor Bob, everyone. Yes. Well, hello, Pastor Bob. How are you? I'm blessed. One, I can't even tell you how much I'm blessed. Well, we're so happy. You're you're the co-host, and we're so happy to have you. And we were just talking about your dear friend, and we're so sorry about um, your loss and Val's loss and Oakland's loss, uh, our country's loss, and Edwin Hawkins, and, of course, preceded by his brother Walter Hawkins. And, uh, did you want to say anything really about the experience uh, that you had, I mean, every Sunday? Uh, how did that work? Well, <clears throat> I I knew Ed, and I Ed, and matter of fact, I talked to Ed. Uh, that was last year. I talked to Ed about uh, some meetings that we were in, and we had some discussions. But I did not know that Ed was as ill as as he was, because when I was talking to him and looking like it, he looked like the same old Ed and had the same old mouth on him when he when you talked to him. So I never thought that that uh, he was super ill like he was. <clears throat> which is a tremendous loss to their ministry and a tremendous loss to the family and a tremendous loss to music. I don't know what's going to happen with his uh, Ed Hawkins seminars he have cross country every year. I don't know how, what what's going to happen with that. That was a, was tremendous. I mean, remember when he first started them, uh, we used to get uh, badges to put on our chest so that we would be able to monitor things. And so uh, Walter and I used to have uh, lunch every Thursday until I lost my job. And uh, then I told him I wouldn't go into lunch no more until I could pay for his lunch. And, and I told him, I said, you know, I shouldn't be going to lunch with you and you paying for it. So he said, look, let's go to lunch. Don't worry about no money. But I stopped going, and so the, so I was in the choir there for a while, and uh, about a year, and then I dropped out. But the kids, they stayed for a long time, and my daughter, uh, Valerie Jr., recorded and and did a lot of lead singing with the choir. So we stayed there a long time. My wife was a uh, one of the assistant uh, one of the assistant pastors of Love Center. Uh, right. So I, was, I, wanted to, you know, I wanted to say this. I wanted to say this. Now, now here you are, Pastor. We're going to give you two minutes to comment on this. I want to go back to Lady Ross, and then I'm going to open the floor up. We've got a couple other people that I want to get a, a comment on. I will agree that Walter and Edwin Hawkins were great caretakers over God's music. There was never a question when I turned it on if I was listening to hip-hop, if I was listening to jazz, it was never a question of how intricate and how the melodies were and the words. It was always that they were caretaking over God's work. So my, my question for you is, is, what do you think about some of the music now? Because you're a musician, and I'm a musician, so you can recognize the underbelly or the underlaying of things that are not praising God, things that are used to captivate and distract us from where our real focus should be in our spiritual walk. What do you think about using that music to place words on top and make it gospel? 
Do you not think that we already have enough gospel to sing without having to sing this new version of gospel? What's your thoughts? No, look, music transcends in the many things, okay, mm-hmm. during time. Uh, one time we had call and response music. That was when I was growing up as a child. Someone was saying something, someone would answer it, okay? And this kept going. We had what we called the old-time religion. And that transcended into different types of gospel music, when when people began to really go beyond what the blind boys was doing at the time, playing the guitar and uh, drums along with what they were doing and not a lot of music, even they transcended into using full orchestration. Uh, so I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, <clears throat> the transcendence into the type of gospel music that we have today. I like Kirk Franklin and... Several other of them are fantastic, and especially I love the Blind Boys of Alabama and Mississippi. I was listening to them last week, and the whole thing is we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't try to figure out what the transition is. We should listen to what the people are saying. If they're talking about Jesus Christ. You know, without having a whole lot of uh, hoopla, I call it, on uh, on uh, CDs, etc., then there's nothing wrong with telling people about Jesus Christ in a different way. Um, we look at the rap music today. Rap music is nothing new. It's been here since uh, 1900s or so, uh, early 1900s or so. But it turned into a a mess today, and I don't care who hear me, and I don't care who uh, don't like what I'm saying. But it turned into nothing but a mess, okay, so in many ways. Said, Although so there is some good, I did hear some good Christian rap talking about Jesus, and I had to search for that. So mm-hmm. music just transcends in a different thing. It turns over for the time. It turns over for the uh, new group of uh, people who are listening. So okay, give me, one, give me give rap hold music. that hold that thought right quick, and I'm gonna take a caller. Uh, caller, thank you for being. You're on Straight Talk, and we want your opinion to weigh in. Music on the soundtrack of your life. Now, what do you think? Do you wanna snap your finger in church, or do you think there should be some boundaries? Are you listening, or are you making a comment? I think it should be versatile because there's different types of people and different varieties of people in church, so there should be a variety of music to meet the special needs of the people. Mm, Very good. Because would you say, I mean, I've been to church, and, you know, I've been to certain churches, and, you know, I've left out, and I still am hanging my head. I'm still, it didn't speak to me. I don't know what level of entertainment I'm looking for when I go to church. And I really, for myself as an individual, I have to work through that. Because we're got, we've gotten so sophisticated that we've got to have a certain, it's got to come a certain way or we haven't been touched. And God touches us softly. He grabs us. 
he can reach us in so many different ways. I, I think that I need to redirect my standards. What do you think about that? What do you think about um, having to have church on cer- a certain level of entertainment level to keep your attention? What do you think about that? Do you think we've gotten there? Well, I think that's in- where we go wrong when we call it entertainment. It's supposed exactly. to be worship. And when we when we get into the habit of calling things entertainment, when we're supposed to be coming before God and presenting ourselves and asking for his presence, we mess up and get things mixed mm-hmm. up. So yeah. I think we need to stay in a mode of worship. And when we stay in a word, uh, mode of worship, the music will be in line. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, now that's very interesting. Okay, so ladies, uh, I can remember there was a time back when in Alameda, I think it was, uh, Andre might remember this, there was a club. It was a gospel club. Now, believe it or not, you could actually go to church and then you could go home and change or stay, keep what you had on and you could run over through the tube and you could go over to this other church. Oh, well, it wasn't another church. It was like a club, supper club. You could have lunch, dinner, and they would play gospel all into the evening, you know. And you could sing and you could dance or whatever you want to, but it was Christian music. So my point is, is that I understand what you're saying about worshiping God. Where do, now many of us are Christians and feel that we should stay in the Christian lane. So where does it come that, we then see it as entertainment because at some point you want to be entertained. You want, I mean, we have to say it like it is. We want to be, you know, we're not in, we're not in Mm -mm. church. We're not in church. We're now in our car. We're driving and we want to listen to music. Maybe it's talking about God. Maybe it reminds us of something. Tell me what you think when you hear a song and you know it's Christian you know it has a message, but then it also has that beat. You know that one. What do you think about that, Lady Rock? But see, the thing of it is, is you're you're getting the concept all wrong because the concept is, first of all, is ministering. You're ministering to the people. If anyone has a mindset that is entertainment, then you're not being ministered to. When you listen to that music, I don't care what it is. If, if it's an upbeat music, if it's Jay Moss, if it's, it's the Clark Sisters, if it's Edward Hawkins, if it's Kirk Franklin, these the music, you got to think about the music that's be, even being played today is, is a lot of it's geared to our young people because you're thinking about the next generation. You've got to minister to these, these young kids. And Amen. If, I, don't care, I don't care if you are going to, um, if, even if you do have a club that's playing all music, they're being ministered to. They're not being entertained. They're being ministered to. And that concept has to be the mindset. That is probably the mindset when they opened up these places that you are speaking of because they want to minister to these young, the young generation, the next generation, the new generation, um, even, you know, the, the kids today. You've got to think about that. We want to minister to them. We don't want to entertain them. That, that's out. And, and when Pastor Bob was talking about the rappers, you know, they're, they're, that's very true. You, you really have to go somewhere far-fetched to really find 
a good rapper who's a Christian rapper. I know a few, very few, you know, but you got to think about the music that's being played today. You want to minister to it. You got to get that concept of entertainment out of your head. The music that's being played today, that's being generated, that's being created today is for today's generation. Now, the Edwin Hawkins, the, the Mahalia Jacksons, you know, the older generation, when you start bringing up their music again, everybody's going to sit back and be ministered to. But you got to think about the music that's even being played today. Music being played today is being Yolanda Adams, your Donnie McClurkins, okay, your Donald Lawrence's. You got these people who are, enter- are, are, are ministering to people. And you can't take that. You got to take that entertainment concept out of your mind, okay? All right. All right. So, yeah. Okay. So, so now, so now that we've got it all out on the table, we are realizing that there are so many different genres to music, and each genre speaks to each individual differently. It's a different language. Some of us are closed to some music. Some of us are open to others. Our right. people, mm-hmm. unfortunately, feel that anything that is uh, old is out. And whatever is new or hip or whatever that comes across social media that's validated by another young person is good. So now, now that we've got that out on the table, get this. If we take ourselves back to the 60s and the 70s and we think about what was the civil rights movement all about, what really drove it was the words and the feelings of those old hymns. And we, Lady Roz, you, my sister calling in that made the comment, uh, my Brother Pastor Bob, we are the caretakers, like he said, of call and response. We, as African-American people, the purpose of this call, this conversation tonight, is everybody within my, my ears that are listening, we are the caretakers of that old music. Nobody's going to play it if we don't play it. Nobody's going to sing it if we don't sing it. We have to remember that that was the music that set us free. Not this music we're hearing right now. It might minister to my soul. It might make me feel. It might make me feel um, uh, 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 the closeness and, and a relationship with Christ. I might get that out of what's going on right now. But get this: we have to go back to those old hymns. Now, what do you think about that, Pastor Bob? What do you think about integrating some of our old call and response, some of the old hymns that we used to sing, some of the old <laughs> messages, so we can get the same tradition that we had in the 60s and 70s? Well, you, you, what do you, you think know, about that? You know, I, I think that uh, many times we, we, we make, we make and, 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 and we interpret things wrong sometimes. I believe that what we need to do is concentrate on the word of God. 
and concentrate that to the youngsters. And you can do that with call and response music if you take some of these younger musicians to pick it up. Pick it up. Again, Ed was the they called the father of contemporary gospel music. He went way back, picked up a tune, took that tune, reorganized it, put it out so that it would have a rhythm to it and a soulful uh, a soulful expression to it in the music, mm-hmm. which caught on worldwide. Mm-hmm. So why can't we do the same identical thing with call and response? Somebody can do it. Or the old music that we had. Remember, with the old gospel music, if you say it's old, I don't really believe it's old. Gospel music is gospel music, and whenever you sing it, it's new yes. somebody. Yes. Okay? And so I believe if we would come up with some of these youngsters and have them uh, uh, just play what's on their mind with the music and sing it the way they want to sing it without us castigating them because they did it, many youngsters uh, probably, by the grace of God, would come. I just heard heard a young lady say, now she grew up in the church. Uh, and I apologize to those out there. Who I say church because church is 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 the worldwide ecclesiastic uh, 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 church, and the places that we go are ministries in the church. So this young lady, she said she wasn't coming to uh, a particular ministry anymore because they didn't have no good music. And she sang, sang good, but the issue was, I asked her, are you going to church for the music? Are you going to church for God, for Jesus? Is it more important to see somebody get up and say they're doing a holy dance than listen to the preacher tell you about the word and how salvation can come by you? See these, are things, see, these are things that we we, we, we just we, we, we ignore, and that is the most important thing. So let's just take the youngsters. Some people take them up in their arms and say, hey, play this music your way. I'd like you to hear it do it. So this is what I think should happen, and uh, this is what I think all the seniors should begin to think about. Uh, Quit thinking about your senior thing that's gone in the past and think about helping them babies that's coming up. That's the bottom line. All right. And, you know, I I, I, want to go to uh, Lady Ross. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, but I was gonna. I was about to say, you know, the music can't may hear, change. Can't, can't, can't hear you. Speak up a little okay. louder. I said the music may change, but the word never changes. That's right. Oh, I, I love. I love that. I love that. But as I said before, when we talk about this, everybody has what speaks to them. So you have some people who, like he said say, you know, I can't go to this ministry because I can't work with that music. I want to go back to uh, my sister that was listening. Are you there, sister? Yes, I'm here. Oh, okay. And, and what I want to ask you is this question. I want to get you to weigh in on this. Okay, so what do you think when you're sitting on a pew and they play one of the older hymns, like The Blood, 
and you're sitting next to a young person who can't sing along with the words. What do you think about that? What do you think about when uh, you're in communion or when you are in a service uh, uh, of church and there's no, nobody can sing the hymn with you? I mean, our brains are so vastly uh, constructed that we don't have, I mean, we can remember many, 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 many songs. We don't have to just go with the contemporary songs that are being played right now. Because when you go into a lot of these churches, I, I had to ask my daughter, so what, what are these, where do they get these songs from? I don't even know not one of these songs. Where do they come from? And my daughter explained to me that these songs I was listening to were contemporary Christian songs. And then she turned on the channel that played some of them, and I thought, oh, now I get it. So what's your thoughts about passing down our heritage of all the music? I think well, there yeah. are opportunities, just like there are opportunities to listen to the contemporary gospel music and learn and sing along. The same with the hymns. The opportunity to pick up the hymnal and teach the people the songs that we knew in yesteryear and sang, you know, before their time so that they can have that experience with the hymn and be drawn closer to God as well. So I think there are opportunities to learn various types of music and sing them in church, you know, during your worship experience. Hmm. Very good. Well, she, Very good. She, she's right, though. It just uh, My sister just spoke. She said one word that can sum up the whole thing tonight. One word, and that word is teach. Oh, if you don't on. teach, if you don't teach, how can anybody learn? The Bible says, how can a person, and I'm paraphrasing, received the word of God except they have a preacher. So how are they going to learn all of these different tunes if they don't have some teachers? So, all right. So, so I think now, she, let, me, let, let me hold on right there. I want to go back to Andre, and we're going to take another call. Andre, so I, I, I know you're there somewhere, and I just wanted to ask you. So um, from the perspective that you have, um, what do you think about what you expect from us as a people, as black people with our unity? What do you see as the one common language that we cling to? Would you say it's music? And would you say that we need to demand better? And we need to take time to teach each other different styles, different genres, different music heroes. I mean, don't you think at this point in history we need to be bridging that gap? Tell me your thoughts. Well, we've been saying it for years, and especially as the United we stand has evolved, that music is the, the universal language. And, oh, oh, I forgot. Oh, Brother Bob, it's great to hear from you again, brother. We haven't talked in quite a while. So you too, my brother. God bless you. 
it is always great to hear your wisdom and in your and your insight. And uh, I've been listening to this uh, conversation about the music in and in the church. Some people only go to church just for the music. They they not listening to what the preacher is saying at all. That's some. And because when people go to church, I ask them, what did you learn today? Uh, I don't know. I forgot. But the music was good. And and the thing of it is, you, you really got to look at this thing, too, is do you actually think if the minister started teaching on Sunday that the, the Bible itself and all the characters in the book, all these people came from out of East Africa? And your your scriptures is actually the the history of East Africa. And, of course, it got tampered with by King James. It got all screwed up somewhat. But the geographical location and the people came from out of Africa. And that's something that should be made perfectly clear on on Sunday morning is, is that, guess what, people, and especially you black folks, that this this book that we're learning from is a part of your history and of your family from out of East Africa. Absolutely. Yes, it's, it's, and of course, yeah, it's been tampered with. A lot of the truths have been scrambled up like an egg. Some of the books and the scriptures are missing. Things are disjointed. And so you throw the music in as a cover because you know, if you really talk that that real deal truth to this thing, you might lose a lot of your people on Sunday morning. And so you sensitize this thing by by playing playing the music. And yes, that's all about entertainment. In the days when I was going to church, we didn't have no drums and saxophones and and keyboards. You just had an organ and an old ragged piano. But but you didn't have all this stuff that you got in in the churches nowadays, and so it's gone to a whole nother level. They they jumping up and down and, and and jumping across the benches and everything else. And and but that music is what's the driving force to this thing. But you're still kind of losing focus on why you're really there. You're really, really there. If you really face it, look in the mirror and admit it, you're really there is to learn about the, uh, uh, Jesus and all the other prophets and messengers and the, and the creator. But I think that is being lost today. And, and as you guys know, there's been a lot of problems in, in the ministry because a lot of these cats are not these ministers that are coming up, they, they ex-pimps, ex-drug dealers, and all of this stuff, and it's, and it's another hustle. Well, uh, you know, we, 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 we have Wait another minute. caller. Oh, hold on. Hold, yeah. hold on. We have another caller. Hold on. Hey, hey caller. Oh, oh, hold on. Let me get this caller. They've been waiting patiently. Oh, I think my screen is, oh, there they are. Hey, you're on Straight Talk Live. Now, you got the big position because now, Tell us your way in with this. Are you there, caller? Ah, we've got a listener, and that's okay. Well, you know, this show is not about preachers. It's not about um, persons in the church. It's not really a 
about um, the wrong that can go on uh, in the ministry of trying to teach people how to do right because we know there's a lot of wrong because this is we're living in a sense of time, last days, end of the world. It's all happening right in front of us. The scriptures are coming alive and we're living it. Really what we're talking about here is how do we, who need the hospital the most, every last one of us is going through something and needs to go to the hospital because that's what the church is. It's the hospital. There's nobody there perfect. There's nobody there that's living the right life. We're all going through something. And we go there to commiserate, to get together, to hear your story. I hear your story. You hear my story. And maybe we don't hear anything. Maybe it's just the ministry of presence, just being and sitting together on one accord and understanding that we all are empty inside and need to be filled. Now, how we fill ourselves is the question. And then how do we take that feeling, whether that be the word, whether that be the scriptures, whether that be the music, how do we transcend that positively to the person next to us or to the week that we have? The purpose of this show is to teach us, I think someone said it here, it could have been you, Lady Rod, but the, the bottom line is, is that Everything is a ministry. It's ministering to us, whether it's positive or whether it's negative. It's ministering to us. And when we're ministering, we're living in a time where we're going to have to turn off the stuff that is not edifying. We're living mm-hmm. in a time when we hear it and it ain't right, you got to turn it off. Don't mm-hmm. take that show time. Don't give it your attention. If it's distracting you from being positive, let me share something with you. I remember in Oakland, there was a gentleman who was a friend of mine. He was one of the biggest dope dealers in all of Oakland. Uh, he's still living. And uh, I remember I saw him one day, and I asked him, I said, how did you change your life? Because I never knew that he used any of the drugs that he sold. But I knew that he was definitely addicted to the money. There was no way the lifestyle, being a kingpin, I mean, how do you stop doing that, right? Only God can free you from such a a plight. And that's what he said. He said he had a major intervention with the creator. Not only did he have a major intervention, but his heart stopped and You know, he had uh, a wake-up call. But uh, he also had to stop listening to the music. He said, when I would turn on a certain familiar beat and I would get in my car, like the car would automatically drive to a certain area that I shouldn't be in, and it would remind me of a certain time, and then I would see a certain face, I would be right back in the balls of the problem. He said the only way to get out of it was to cut it, cut the music, cut the, cut the association, cut the implication, cut the, uh, and make a, a determination on setting himself free. 
that's what I really wanted to share, is to understand what we need to do in order to stop being distracted. How do we go about reclaiming our time? As my new uh, congresswoman said, Maxine Waters, I'm so glad to be in SoCal. (laughs) But how do we reset serious? Because out of all the things we have, the most important thing that we cannot get back is time. And so the mantra for this show is to try to make you understand if it's taking your time, if it's not paying you back, if it's not giving you what you need, if it's not aligning with Christ and you moving forward in your life and you being rained on with the blessings like Charlie Wilson said yesterday, at the NAACP Awards. Let me paraphrase it for you. He said, I was on the street. I became rich. I became richest. And then I became poor. And I became homeless. And then I lived in the gutter. And I promised God when I was living in the gutter, if you set me free, I will never not bless your name. And so as he won, Uh, the Vanguard Award for helping people um, overcome drugs. Charlie Wilson, Uncle Charlie, sang I'm Blessed and made the entire crowd sing that song. So I think that's really what we have to decide in these days and times, you know, when we're distracted with Trump and with, you know, a horrible government with the fear that we have of all the things that are happening around us. You know, my blessed sister, they spent four hours thinking that there were nuclear bombs coming to Hawaii. I mean, oh, my goodness. We are just, what is going on in the world? So we're going to have to just band together, remember what we know, remember what is familiar, and teach others. Because, What is happening if we're the only ones there? It's all about making sure that everyone you meet is purposely involved in the music, has a song to sing, and is saved in the kingdom. Now, I want to give everybody a chance to have a little something to say before we close our show. I want to go to you, uh, sister uh, from Oakland. Kind of wrap up, if you will, your vision of how you're going to look at music from now on, if this show has affected you or if it's changed you or uh, if it's giving you new insight? Well, it's the same insight. I want to stay open to what God has for me. I want music to be a ministry, and I want to continue to learn and teach, you know, various types of music including the hymns, as well as the worship songs that we're hearing currently. And I want the people that I'm surrounded by to have a willingness to learn and to teach, because that's what it's all about. It's a cycle to learn and to teach in our in our inner circle and our outer circle constantly. I love it. I thank you for listening. You're a friend to the show. And may God bless you. I want to go to Pastor Bob. Pastor thank Bob. You. Give us, give us your little, your little. Uh, uh, you know, you're a musician and you've been around a long time. 
you know, you didn't have one of them top 40 hits. And so we know you have tasted uh, the success in music. And you have a beautiful daughter who's, you know, the next big thing coming out of Oakland. So my question for you is, is how are we going to change this movement and give it life if we don't add the music to it? Well, you, you, you have to think of this, and I'm going to be brief. There are times when there are no music. So do we characterize music as part of being saved if there is no piano, if there is no guitar or organ? How do we characterize that? I think the music has to go along with the, the days and the time. And to get use in, you have to have something interesting for the youth. The bottom line is teach your words. The bottom line is to respect others who are playing a different tune. Music is out of Africa. I, I have to say this because if you, I know you all remember that there were slave times and the slaves beat drums and the slaves had made their own instrument out of, out of just putting grass and different elements together in order to make strings for music to come and the drums. And if we look at African music, uh, uh, African-American music today, you see a lot of drum beats. You hear a lot of guitars. You hear a lot of organs and different things. That music came out of Africa and followed the people here. They never forgot it. And it just transcended into something. Then you see the Amer African American male and female are phenomenal. They are phenomenal human beings. They created something out of nothing, and that's America, along with the Native Americans. So I said, what we should do, hopefully in many ministries, is begin to teach the children that we sing hymns to praise God. We don't sing hymns for entertainment. Mm -hmm. We keep it that way. That's right. All right. And I want to go to Lady Roz. Lady Roz, tell us about <clears throat> your feelings as a, a recording artist and as a, a, uh, uh, the entertainment director for T25CL and also as a music director at your church. How did this <clears throat> enlighten you? I mean, when you think about, you know, your lifespan and the music of old and how it really um, charged us and gave us identity and what we're listening to today, what are your thoughts about how, do you think we need to be more selective? What, what are your thoughts? Do you think we could do better with music? Well, you know what? I couldn't have put it no better than Pastor Bob put it, man. I mean, just basically kind of took the words out of my mouth because, you know, even when you're sitting in the quiet and quietness and the stillness of wherever you are, you're not listening to music, you still have that music in your heart and your mind. And like you say, even before there was before there was keyboards and drums and horn sections and all that, you know, before, and even in old time music when you had just the organs uh, even before then, you had the music that was within your heart and mind and your soul. 
I mean, I could just sit here and just hum a tune, just, you know, sing a song a cappella without any music. Um, but it's the ministering, and as long as you're listening to music that is uplifting, that's encouraging, that's positive, and not bringing anyone down, then that's good music. All across the board, this music is, you know, God's created music. Um, the angels sang in heaven. You know, you got to think about, you know, all those things that's taking place. That's still taking place now. And so you got to continue to, you know, just think about, you know, where you are. Each of us, we, are, we all have to seek our own salvation with fear and trembling. And worry about what that next person is doing. If they're making good music, listen to it. If you want to listen to it and it's encouraging you, it might not encourage the next person next to you, but that's okay. You're not worried about them. You're worried about yourself, okay? Now, if you're going to minister to somebody, then minister to them with a positive note, with something that says, you know what, this song really ministered to me. You might like it. So it's, 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 it's so vast, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, this is what I've been doing for years, for years. I'm the worship leader. I do it on an international level. I'm a recording artist. I sing. I love to sing. I've been singing ever since I was knee-high to a duck when we were the Warner Trio. My father was an accomplished musician, keyboard, um, piano player. My mother, she was our vocal coach. So it was, it was instilled in us, singing those old-time, old-time songs, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, and all them, you know, you know, Let God Abide, and all those old songs. But still, they were songs, you know, that we sang that ministered. So, you know, even today, we've got to think about today and just, you know, keep it moving forward. Because like I said, we've got to think about this next generation. We don't want to lose them. We don't want to lose them. So, you know, I just say stay on a positive note. And, and tell us what's on your show tomorrow night, if you don't mind. Oh, tomorrow night we are carrying over from uh, Brother Daryl's show. We're going to be talking about sibling rivalry, and then talking about, you know, um, children being raised in homes where parents may have favored one sibling over another. It's going to be very oh. interesting. It's going to be carried, it's carried over from Saturday afternoon show from uh, in this place. So it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Oh, I love Call it. I, yeah. I love it. That's beautiful. All right. I, I want to go to you. Uh, thank you so much, Lady Ross. And um, I want to go to you, Andre. And I want you uh, to, to tell us uh, a little bit about what you think. Uh, I know that you have United We Stand, and, and it's bringing all sorts of culture and genres of music together, and you put that, encapsulated it in a film, and that's very commendable. All sorts of music uh, right there before your eyes. Uh, who do you think, in the end, is going to be the keeper of our music? You know, I just... Um, I just listened, just for everybody's edification, I just listened to uh, Justin Timberlake, who I've always enjoyed as an artist. I just listened to Justin Timberlake's uh, song, and I just thought, this new song is like such a new sound. Wow, it was very interesting. But then at the same time, I hear he had his listening party at Prince's Mansion in Paisley Park, which was unnecessary. So it just goes to show that if we are not keepers of our music, they will take it like they've taken everything else. So my point is for you, uh, tell us a little bit, just give us a backdrop of how do you think 
we can safe keep our music, our style, our our genres. What's your thought on safe keeping of our music? Well, go back to the, the old time music. We're back to where we started the show, the sixties and the seventies. We have to incorporate that into our, our music of today. I don't care if it's the, the spiritual aspect of it. I don't care if it's the love aspect of it. I don't care if it's the James Brown, Gil Scott Heron version of it. We got to incorporate that type of emotion, that type of a feeling, into our music. In United We Stand, you're gonna see all of it. You, you're gonna hear some of the best music by some of the best musicians that we have here at United We Stand. So we here at T25CL Entertainment. We will be the keepers, and we will be the bearers of, of that music. And, and so but check out our film. It's $5.95. You can see it all you want in 48 hours, and you'll see great music. And, and it's the, the film has, a, has a, a, a great message to it. And also, we've been asked to enter United We Stand into a film festival in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, Yay! Uh, as well. And uh, yeah, 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 and it's going to be over there at the uh, the center. Uh, what's the name of the center there? The Black Ball Street at the. Oh, uh, you mean Greenwood? The Greenwood Center? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where our sister Jean Neal, who is okay. the president, so they're going to be doing their very first uh, film festival there, and so they have uh, they are requesting United We Stand. Uh, the the film of the film festival, so it is getting out the world to hear our great music and and look at the uh, performance that uh, Rosalind did and Charles Small and Mark Allen Felton and, and Norm Jackson, Five Tempting Men, uh, Myron Edwin. Check out the work that they did. So we're going to be the keepers of the music. Ain't nobody else going to do it. Jay-Z can't do it. Beyonce can't do it. And so T25CL is going to do it. So we'll take care of the music part right here. And you'll see very soon. All right, everybody. Well, you know, that wraps up our show. I want to thank everybody for being here. Now, next week, remember, this is a new format. So next week is going to be What Would Jesus Do Once Again uh, is our series. And we're going to talk about um, do you need something right now and how do you get it? How do you get something right now when you really need it? That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how to get what you really need right now. So that's going to be uh, the subject and the uh, flow for next Tuesday at 730. I want to thank all my guests, Andre, uh, uh, the keeper and the CEO of T25CL, Lady Roz, who has a wonderful show tomorrow night, Roslyn's Corner. I want to thank, uh, of course, our listeners and our our guests. I don't want to say their names. Uh, We're on the World Wide Web, so uh, I just want to thank them. And I also want to thank Pastor Bob, and I want to give my condolences uh, definitely to the Hawkins family, and we pray for them to be able to uh, pull back and just let God reconstruct their ministry. And we'll, we're excited to see the next person that will lead the choir and lead their entire ministry with song and praise. Anyway, everybody, 
This has been Straight Talk Live, and uh, I've been your host, Barbara. Thank you so much, and may God bless you. Good night. Good night.